Hi, this is Mark Ellis from Dominion Through Love Ministries. Today we are continuing with hands-on biblical healing. We'll be exploring the basis for all our theology, God's Word. So grab a pen and paper and mostly your Bible and let's get started. Again, I'd like to thank the generosity of our partners who have made this podcast possible for all to enjoy. Enjoy the lesson. A little bit of an understanding of my journey. I only told you a fraction of it because we would probably take tonight, tomorrow night, the next night, the next day, talking about all the things that have happened. So um, that would be um, unrealistic. I want to give you what's more important than just my experience. Okay? The first thing I want to teach you, and if you can write this down, this is great. Experiences do not nullify God's word and his standard. Experiences do not nullify God's word and his standard. That means if God has promised you something in his word and you have not yet experienced it in your life, then that means that your experience is at the mercy of God's word. God's word is not at the mercy of your experience. Which is great because that means that whatever God has promised you, if you haven't yet received it, it's still yours and you can still have it. Amen? Okay, so God doesn't disqualify you and neither can your experience disqualify God. Okay, now another thing, God's word is eternal. The things that happen in life are temporary. God's word is eternal. So if God's word is eternal and things that happen in this life are temporary, then that means that if we bet on or we put our trust in the temporary, we will be temporarily right but we will be eternally wrong. Got it? Alright. Okay, so that's why it's important. This very next section is very important. I think of this as the foundation. Okay? If you don't have this as a foundation, and if you don't remind yourself of this as a foundation on a regular basis, let me tell you, very quickly, your experiences will try and teach you different to God's word. Now, we all believe God is God, right? And that his word is the only word worth listening to, am I right? So, if you did something wrong today, if you, if you did something wrong today and the devil is telling you, you're not good enough. But God's word is still saying, I made you good enough. Which one's true? Come on. <laughs> that was good news right there, wasn't it? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Okay, God's word cannot be disqualified by your inability to live up to it. It's always true. It remains true forever. And God has purchased your redemption through an eternal sacrifice, not a temporary one. Which means that the the sacrifice Christ made was forever, and your sin is only now. Okay, Okay, right. We're going to get into some of this. So, number one. We have to agree here tonight that we are going to choose to base our lives on no other document, no other authority, no other way except God's word. Can we all agree on that? Because at the end of the day, you might say, interpretation, interpretation, interpretation. I'm going to say, let's just take the plain meaning and go with that. Is that cool? If we can go with as much plain meaning as possible and understand metaphors where they are used with the exception. 
Because metaphors are an exception in the biblical text. They're not, it's not like every single scripture you read is somehow using some kind of metaphor and some kind of allegory. Okay? There are allegories, but not all of it is allegorical. Does it make sense? So it's important to understand, take plain meaning first, and then when the plain meaning doesn't make sense, you look a little bit deeper. For example, it is raining cats and dogs. Um, how many of you know cats and dogs don't rain? So when you, when you hear that, you immediately think he must mean something else, right? But when I say I'm walking through the park, you don't think that I was strolling through the um, auditorium, right? You don't say, I wonder what he meant by park. Hmm, was it a trailer park? <laughs> was it a green? You get what I'm saying? Okay, so let's take plain meaning first. All right. All right. As a believer, we must always look to God's word as our ultimate guide and foundation. Psalm 119, 89 to 92. Forever. How long is forever? <sighs> it's, this is a very, very big word forever, isn't it? Have you guys ever seen a sign, an infinity sign? The sign like eight on, the, on its side. Have you ever seen that? Uh, a circle is also like an infinity sign because there's really no beginning or no end. So it just keeps going and going. But this um, eight on its side is really what's used for infinity. When they calculate an amount and they say the amount goes on for infinity, they put that sign. Infinity is probably the best way we can describe forever. Because infinity tells us, um, that it never end, and forever literally means it will never end. So, how long is God's word fixed in the heavens? It will never end. The heavens and the earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. Come on. So, how dependable is his word if everything else can become old and pass away, but his word will never? The most dependable, isn't it? Okay, it's important to remember. Okay, so it says, Your word is firmly fixed in the heavens, and your faithfulness endures to all generations. Does God's faithfulness endure to all generations? What does it mean to be faithful? It means to be dependable, okay, and to be predictable. Come on. Okay, is the chair you're sitting in faithful right now? Yes? It's holding you up. If, it, if you fell down, it would be an unfaithful chair. <laughs> well, if it broke right now, in that moment, it would be unfaithful. But right now, as you're sitting in your chair, is it not being faithful? Because it is, it is faithfully providing you a place to sit. Isn't that right? Now, some things make a promise without speaking. Do you know that? This microphone, by design, because you know what it does, makes a promise that it will amplify your voice. But when you turn it off, it doesn't seem to work as well as when you turn it on. Right? So sometimes a promise, okay, is, is, is based on something, right, that has an, a silent promise. Does this make sense? There's a silent promise. Okay? Now, that means every object, this table, the chair, the fan over there, the lights, they're all providing a silent promise. They're not speaking to you, but when you look at the light switch, it promises that there will be light when you press it. When you press it and there's no light, you are not, you're not going to go, ah, expected that. You're going to go, 
What's wrong with the power? Okay? When you lay hands on the sick and they don't get healed, you shouldn't be saying, oh, well, there another one goes. You should be saying, what? what happened there? That's odd. Isn't that right? Okay, so you've you got to get this mentality because what I'm trying to show you is that there's a dependability on Scripture. And it's because it has integrity. How many of you know what the word integrity means? For those of you who know what it means, you probably have some. Because integrity is it's important, isn't it? It's important to let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Right? <laughs> I like that. Yes. <laughs> so if your yes is your yes and your no is your no, then you don't have to swear by anything. Am I right? Jesus said, don't swear by the throne or by the one who sits on the throne, but let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Isn't that right? Why? Because that shows integrity. When God says, I will do this, does he mean he will do it or does he mean he won't? He means he'll do it. Isn't that right? So if it means that he will do it, then he has given a promise to which you can positively respond. Okay, now it says here, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. That means that everything that is in heaven right now is a blueprint for everything that God wants forever. Come on. Is God's will done in heaven? Yes. Right, forever. So heaven is the blueprint God wants stamped on every part of his creation. Okay, so if you went back to the architect and you said, show me the blueprints, you just roll out heaven. And then he'd show you heaven and he'd say, don't do that. And that's why Moses was shown the tabernacle in heaven when Moses built the tabernacle on the earth. Are you with me? That's why Jesus had to go to the tabernacle in heaven to make an eternal sacrifice because the one on earth was temporary. Okay. Because nothing comes from heaven to the earth unless heaven first makes it available. Good news is you've been given the power to make things available. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you unlock will be unlocked and whatever you lock up will be locked up. So where that used to be only available when God made it available, now it's been available to every single believer. Does it make sense? Okay. And it's all in God's word. Now, that means if, how many of you know someone you trust? How many of you know someone you trust? Can you put up your hand if you know someone you trust? If you don't know anyone you trust, we have to help you. Okay. Because if you know someone you trust, if they say to you, would you like a cup of coffee or a cup of Milo or a cup of hot chocolate? And you say yes. What do you expect is going to happen? The cup of coffee or Milo or chocolate or whatever they said is going to come. Isn't that right? Okay. Because they said, would you like? And you said yes. Would you like to be born again? Well, then what do you expect should happen? You should be born again. You see how simple this is. God makes a promise, you say yes, he says okay. 
Okay, hold on. This is going to get much better. Okay, now, a building is only as safe as it is integral. If the structure of the building is not integral, in other words, if it, is, if it lacks integrity, what do they call it? Uh-uh, yes, you got it, condemned. What happened to man when he fell? He lost integrity. And he became condemned. Because he was no longer faithful. Are you following? Okay, so this is, this is good, isn't it? Because God is faithful. God is so faithful to himself that he will never violate his own word. And that means that even though God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at the same time, he can't do any much more than what he said he would do. And he can't do any less than what he said he would do. You know what's, you know what's worse than asking someone for something they've got to give you? Is asking something from someone that has already given it to you. Okay, let me give you an example. Someone says, I'm going to give you a Porsche. How many of you like Porsches? Only one, two, uh, some people out there. All right, so you like Porsches, okay? Um, how many of you like Ferraris? Okay, good. BMWs? Right. Imagine the car, right, that you like. Someone says, I'm going to give you this car. Right, now then you say, okay, cool, that would be great. Thank you, I appreciate that. So the person shows up and they give you the car, right? And then for a week, you don't drive it. Two weeks later, you don't drive it. Three weeks later, you don't drive it. A month later, right? This is now after three weeks. A month later, you go what? You go knock on the person's door. You said they're going to give you the car. You say, where's my car? Why haven't you given it to me? How do you think that person feels? If you were that person, what would you want them to do to you? What would you do to yourself? Ah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Someone who's honest. Right, watch that. You would actually be like, Really? Just, just go. Isn't that right? Because God has already given us everything, and yet we keep asking him for things that he's already given us. It's already yours. When did he say no? He said yes. The angels proclaimed God's yes. They said peace to all mankind. And good tidings to all men. Why? Because Jesus Christ is born. The Son of God has come to the earth. And God has made peace with all men. God sent his yes. Your job is to say, Amen. Isn't that right? What's Amen? So be it unto me. Isn't that right? Amen. So be it unto me. God says, yes, so be it unto me. Well, it's very quiet in this Presbyterian church. Good thing we're not in a Presbyterian church. Okay, so we must understand that God's word is the final rule of authority because God's word is what brought everything into existence. There is nothing that exists today that did not exist or is existing that did not originate from the word of God. All things are made by him, for him, and through him. And even though some things are in rebellion to him, 
we are given the job to bring them into obedience to him. So God's word is dependable and true. And how does he demonstrate that? Well, remember what happened to Jesus. Was Jesus the word of God? Remember the scripture that says God sent his word and he healed them. Did God send Jesus? Did Jesus heal them? Was Jesus the word of God? So he sent his word and he healed them. Is this making sense to you? So God's word became flesh. So all that God's word is waiting for is a flesh to trust it so that it might use it. Because the last time the word became flesh, it wrecked the devil big time. This is fact, guys. Oh man, I tell you, I'm preaching myself happy here tonight. So awesome. This is so awesome. Because it means that literally there is nothing that you're lacking right now. Except one thing. Your ability to choose to agree with God. That's it. You either agree tonight that yes, indeed, he lives in me. Let me tell you, God is not looking for a way to disqualify you. You know what? We're going to look at some of the people's lives in the New Testament and that. But I want to tell you, listen, the guys who spread the gospel in the beginning, they weren't worried about how their bosses were treating them. They weren't worried about whether their boyfriends liked them or not. They were concerned about how they were going to outrun the mob of people who wanted to kill them for preaching the good news. They had real gospel problems. You know, have you ever heard of first world problems? You know, what do I buy? King, King Steer, King, um, Burger King or McDonald's? First world problems. <laughs> Third world problems. Where do I find the corner cafe. <laughs> are you with me? So these are the problems. We're, in the kingdom, our problems today are nowhere near the problems that the early church faced. And what we need to realize is if we don't start considering the fact that what we think we're suffering, they would laugh at. But they, but they said they didn't like me. So... They imprisoned me and whipped me until I bled. <laughs> and, what did, and, what, and what did you do about it? Well, we sang praises to God. <laughs> and then what happened? Well, you know, he set us free and we decided to stick around. <laughs> Maybe the problems that you're facing today are obscuring you from the mission God's given you. Because those problems, he's turned, the devil has tried to turn them into mountains. When actually, God is bigger than every mountain. And you should be realizing that even a little bit of faith can make those mountains disappear. Come on. Okay. So the word of God is our guide. Isn't that right? 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, it says, All scripture, not some, not New Testament, all scripture. Hello? Did you get that? A lot of people think only the New Testament. No. All Scripture. 
Right? Now, I will say that you should read the Old Testament in light of the New. Why? Because things have changed. Okay? But that's another scripture. <laughs> Rightfully dividing the word of truth. Okay? So, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. So that means, that doesn't mean that God wrote the Bible himself or wrote scripture himself. It means that God moved on the hearts of men and they wrote as the Spirit led them. We call it inspired by the Spirit. Does it make sense? And that is why the Bible is written in different books, because the Bible is actually a library of books by different people upon whom the Spirit moved at different times. And it has the writing style of one person. Isn't that amazing? It's like the same guy was writing through all those people. And you try to do that through thousands of years. <laughs> so what is it good for? What is it good for? Teaching. Correction. Reproof. How many of you can tell me what reproof means? We don't like this word. No one wants to tell me what this word means. It means to sternly rebuke. Sometimes, someone needs to be told, no, you're wrong. Have you, ever, have you ever said, after going through something in your life, I wish someone had told me I was wrong? Then why do we hate it so much when someone does? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but we do, isn't it? A lot of people don't like correction. But we should actually welcome it. Why? Even if the person's a fool, even a fool can give you good instruction. That's a proverb. A wise man knows that even a fool can give correction. Isn't that right? The wise receive instruction, but the fool rejects it. So the word reproof is not a bad thing. God is not saying you are a, you are a worthless, good for nothing, and you're never going to make it. A reproof is... What you did there is not who you are. Now get up and do it right. Come on. When Jesus says, this is what I love about you, but this I have against you. It's a reproof. But guess what? He doesn't leave them there, does he? He says, now, you know, get up, shake off your dust from your clothes, let your joints get weakened and do the right thing. Are you with me so far? It's very important we understand that. So correction, training in righteousness and equipping the saint for what? Every good work. So we should also understand that not every word written is actually an instruction from God directly, since there are times in the Bible when people share their own thoughts and experiences which may be contrary to God's way of doing things. For example, when Job says, um, the Lord gives and he takes away, he's making a statement based on what he believes. He's not making a statement that God necessarily agrees with. Does it make sense? So, for example, it might be true for him, in his perspective, that God gave him life and God can take his life away because God is the creator of everything. And he doesn't mean anything wrong about it. He's actually saying, God, do whatever you want, right? But he's got a misunderstanding, and we'll go into that later. But at the same time, even though it's recorded that way, it doesn't mean God agrees with that mentality, that way of thinking. Amen? Because God loved the world so much that he gave. Okay, So we know that God's word and his spirit will always agree. So you understand God's word never stops working. 
His spirit always agrees with his word. So you'll find people will say, no, but we just want to be spirit-led, brother. Have you ever heard that? Ever heard someone? We just want to be spirit-led, brother. We want to be like wisps in the wind. We want to be like fairy dusts. Wee! We want to be spirit-led. Let me tell you, if you're spirit-led, you'll be biblically accurate. The Holy Spirit's not a deceiver. God is not the God of chaos. He's quite aware of what he said. He's going to agree with himself because he's not schizophrenic. He doesn't have personality disorders. He doesn't have one, one version of him come up and say, I hate you all. And the other one say, no, but we love them all. We died for them, remember? Does it make sense? God, God doesn't do that. So what's important is that we understand that God's word and his spirit agree. Okay. God's word never stops working. Isaiah 55, 11. Many of you will know this text. It says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not turn to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. And that means, and this is very important, I want you guys to pay attention to this word. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. The word purpose. If you speak without purpose, your words have no power. Is this making sense? If you speak without purpose, your words have no power. Why? Watch this. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. How do you purpose something? Okay, if you, if, how many of you got kids? Okay, if you instruct your children to clean the room, what does it sound like? Option A. Um, guys, you know, if you really want to um, just kind of when you can, clean the room, please. Or does it sound like this? Clean your room and clean it now. Which one does it sound like? A or B? B, right? Why? Do you think the one had more purpose than the other? Could you feel the purpose? Okay. Do you understand? Purpose. My word shall not return to me empty, for it will accomplish that which I purpose. That means that there is an intent in your heart that is mixed in with your words that when you speak the intention of your words carries so that it changes the atmosphere come on it's good it is good listen oh, whatever you believe in your heart you speak to this mountain that it will move it will and you don't doubt in your heart what you say is true so where does it come from there's an intent there's a difference between speaking from the mind and speaking from the innermost being, isn't there? Have you felt that difference? I mean, we could literally do an exercise right now and I could show you the difference. I could show you to, to really think about God and how much you love Him before and be present in that and then say, I love you. And notice the difference between saying that and just saying, I love you, God. Like there's a big difference. God seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. If you do not forgive from the heart,
give from the heart. Means you mean it. Okay, have you ever have you had kids fight? And you say, okay, say sorry, say sorry. And then they go, sorry. What was wrong with that? <laughs> they never meant it. Isn't that right? But if you sat down with your son or your daughter and you said, you know, what happened there was wrong and you can do better and you should really go and apologize. And they went up and they, they meant it and they said, I'm so sorry for what I did. Would there be a difference? Would it be different to the forced sorry? Come on, guys. This is important because most of the time when we speak, we don't even believe what we say. Why would the world... Why would the fabric of the universe respond to someone who doesn't even believe what they say? And you know the, the time when you believe the most what you say is when you reinforce the very reality you don't want. Jesus, help me. Holy Ghost. Okay. Is this yellow? Is it easy to say it's yellow? When you say it's yellow, do you feel it's yellow? If I said it's blue, what would be the problem? It's not blue, it's yellow. And this might seem silly. When I say to you this is blue, and you say no, it's yellow, you're saying based on what you see, right? But if I say make it blue, then what have I just done? I've created a reality in which this yellow banner can become a blue banner. Isn't that right? Which means if someone's listening, they can go and they can actually change the yellow banner to a blue banner. Isn't that right? But as long as I say the banner is yellow, will anyone ever take action and change it to blue? So then why do you think by telling yourself that nothing ever goes right, everything's always falling apart, how do you, how do you think that by saying that to yourself, something will ever change? But it's easy to agree with what you would call reality because your reality is that you walk by sight and not by faith. But we are not called to walk by what we see. We're called to walk by what he says. And you know what? He says something better than what you're seeing right now. And so how many of you like what you're seeing 100% of the time? I know I don't. So maybe we should say something better. Maybe we should agree with what he wants to see so we can see what he wants to see instead of keep seeing what we're seeing. Yo, sounds like I was saying a lot of seeing there. But hopefully you get what I'm talking about, right? And the thing is, because God's word doesn't return empty, it never stops working. Right now, God's word is working and it is active in the very fiber of your being. Do you know that every atom has what's known as electrons, protons, and photons? Do you know that? A photon is a light molecule, a light particle, okay? And you are created out of these light particles. Did you know that? You are literally light. Do you know that scientists are discovering right now that there's more space between the structures of an atom, okay? Then okay, if you had to take a, an atom and blow it up to your scale, right, so that you were standing in next to an atom, the, pro the protons and the electrons would be so far away from you, it would be rugby fields of empty space. You are literally made out of empty space. 
that are literally vibrating at a frequency level and the wave is in standing form. Like, do you understand this? Is it over your head? Let me explain it as plain as I can. God's word is working. God's word is working. Right now it's working. It's working. Lights on. It's working. I'm standing. It's working. My blood is pumping. It's working. I'm reading. It's working. You're listening. It's working. Every single time you look in the mirror, it's working. And if God's word is constantly working, then we could say that constantly God's word is proving itself to be true. Is it not? Because we exist, do we not? Everything around us exists, and God's word has made all these things be. So we have evidence that these things exist, and God's word exists. And God's word exists because he spoke it, and these things exist because that he spoke them. Isn't that right? So hopefully you're getting this. I mean, I know I'm drilling at home, but I really need you to understand this. That everything you take for granted today as a safety, a security, okay? Even now, is God's word. And yet, often we would depend on the um, security of what we see and feel over and above the security of what God's word says. And we need to change that, guys. We need to change that. We need to start moving towards something better. Yes? You see, God respects his own word so much that he even did this. In Psalm 138, verse 2, he says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for loving kindness and for your truth. You have exalted your word above your name. That means that God will not exalt his name above his word. It means that to God, his word is more important than his own name. Now, you think about someone who's got that level of integrity. And you wonder now, when, if you hear him speak to you, whether it's worth listening. Amen? Because if he speaks to you, is it worth listening? So that's very good. If he speaks to us, it's worth listening. So if we go through the word of God, and we begin to find some things that contradict the way that we've been taught, and start to challenge the things that we've understood up until now, then we, who are truth seekers, how many of you are truth seekers? That means that when truth comes, even if you've been believing wrong, you're willing to change and believe right. Is that you? Okay, I'm a truth seeker. When I see the truth and I understand it, then I go, I've got two choices. Either I'm going to continue in my lie or I'm going to change and believe the truth. And for me, there's only one choice, change and believe the truth. And for you, I hope that is exactly the same thing. Do you know the, the, world, the place we live in? They call it the universe. Do you know that? Do you know that the word universe is made out of two Latin words? Universe. It literally means the single spoken sentence. Uni, single. 
verse spoken sentence. We live in God's spoken sentence. Do you know that in Hebrews 11 verse 3 it says that by faith we believe that the world that is seen is made out of things that cannot be seen. Did you hear that? Before scientists were dabbling with quantum physics and mechanics and trying to figure out the invisible world that brings and produces the literal manifestation of these physical objects that we encounter in our lives, before that was even happening, they said, by faith, we believe. By faith, we believe. And then it says, and by faith, Enoch did not see death, for God took him. By faith, God took Enoch. Why? Because Enoch pleased God. You guys with me so far? Enoch pleased God. And you cannot please God without faith. Isn't that right? And then it says, For if anyone was to have faith in God, they must first believe that He exists. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You can't believe in God and believe that He's a punisher. You can't believe in God and think that he's a destroyer and call that faith. A lot of people today believe that. They believe God is the one who seeks to test us, to kill, steal, and destroy from us. And that means, I doubt whether they know that he exists, the true God, but let's say they, they say that they believe that he does exist. They are not seeking him for his reward. They are seeking him for their own destruction. Amen? Does it make sense what I'm saying? So God's word is our final rule of faith and action. And we can depend on God's word. Don't let anyone tell you you can't. And don't let anyone ever tell you to deviate from God's word. Okay? Always bring it home. Amen? Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. It is our hope that you found this information helpful and useful in your walk with Christ. Hands on Biblical Healing is a training that is designed to help ordinary believers walk out the plan of God in their lives regarding divine healing for others and divine health for themselves. Please be sure to join us for future episodes. Have a wonderful day.